0: Are you quick to say, I'll see you in court when you feel you've been wronged or taken advantage of by someone? Stay tuned for Abounding Grace as we discover what God has to say on the matter of settling our disputes. This is amazing grace. When we're wronged by someone or our rights are violated, we might be tempted to take it into the legal system. And in certain instances, that may be the appropriate course of action. But let's say the person who did you wrong is a Christian. What then? Should Christians take other Christians to court? Or is there a better way to handle it? Today on Abounding Grace, that very question is raised. We're going through 1 Corinthians and in chapter six, another problem in the church at Corinth rises to the surface. Before you say, I'll see you in court, consider what these verses have to say on the matter. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor.
1: So in the studies that we've had thus far in 1 Corinthians, the focus has certainly been on the church. That's why Paul wrote the note to correct things that are going on in the church. Chaos and confusion has entered into the church the leaders aren't fixing it. The believers don't want to. They're creating confusion and division. And I am a Paul and I have a... It, it, was, it was unbelievable. We'll get to some more things, not just the sexual immorality we saw last time, but all sorts of things as believers against a believer. And, and the focus, of course, in First Corinthians is to the church. Hey, guys, get things right. Hey, guys, make sure you repent. Take care of this situation. Rise up. Be godly. Be spiritual. But I wanna pause just for a second and change the focus just a little bit. While the letter does deal with the church in Corinth, I don't want us to forget the watching world. Because the church in Corinth then, just like the church today is on display to a watching world. So we're kind of studying and going, oh wow, that's happening in the church. We don't want that to happen. God help us. And at the same time, while the church is all crazy, full of chaos and confusion, the world's watching on and they're coming to a conclusion about Jesus Christ based on how the believers behave in the church. The church in Corinth certainly was not in this stage of Paul's writing the kind of church that Jesus said and spoke of in John 13. He says, you guys, you'll be known as my disciples by your love for one another. Love was absent in the church. Not only was the church full of chaos, but what that led to was a loss of their witness in their community. The church in Corinth becomes a byword, a place and a focus of mockery. Not only did the church know about the sexual immorality that was going on, but the world did too. That's what Paul said. He said the things that are going on in in the church, not even the Gentiles do. He compared them to the watching world around them. And so not only did the church know about the sexual immorality and they were the ones that were supposed to fix it, but so did the world. Like there's a watching world for us. And as they hear of the divisions, it might even come from your lips. They don't even have to come in the midst here. You could just be bad-mouthing another brother at work. I can't believe what that believer. And then the watching world is like, wow, another excuse not to follow Jesus. not going to get involved in a group that's going to da, 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 and whatever they're hearing because we're just not walking in the spirit, not allowing him to help us work through our differences. The church knows about it. They glory in it. The world knows about it, and they mock Jesus. He gets a bad reputation because of us that allow this stuff to happen. And you ask, wait a minute, Ed. If if they're not attending service and they're not among the believers and not everybody's chit-chatting, how do they know great things are happening in the church? How do they know craziness is happening in the church? Chapter 6 answers a little bit of that question. They were in the court system arguing and fighting and suing one another. It says, dare any of you... Now Paul's going to get a little more stern. He goes from strong sternness to gentleness to sternness to more sternness. And I believe chapter 6 is more sternness. He says, dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints... I guess another way of looking at it is, how dare you guys air your dirty laundry before unbelievers? They're not going to get saved that way. (laughs) That's really what he's saying. How how could you, what are you guys thinking? How do you guys, how how do you guys think you're going to reach a lost and dying world when all you're portraying to the world is a, a bunch of anger and animosity? He says, don't you know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? And so we learned that the issues coming up weren't even that big a deal. It would be like it would be like a week of all the judge shows, right? There's all sorts of judge shows, uh, People's Court and Judge Judy and Joe and J- all the judges. And one week the the people the producers of all the judge shows just for one week They go down like they normally do and they look through all the public records and and all they do is find, currently, just today, it would be what it looked like today. Just all they do is find every lawsuit in the small claims. You know, under a few hundred dollars, thousand dollars, small claim court, but they were very careful to say, make sure they say they're a Christian. And then that's what airs all day, every day on every single judge show. And all the weirdness of all those judge shows that they present. But even take it a step further, and let's just say that with that same picture, you got, you're just flipping the channel, I don't know, like this. Christians again, click, and Judge Joe Brown, two more Christians, fine, click, they're fighting over $5, click. You know, the judge is so upset, he gives them five bucks and like, Get out of here, go worship the Lord. But check this out, this is what it would be, what, what, what Paul's talking to Corinth about. It would be all the judge shows filled with Christian lawsuits from Calvary Chapel, Aurora. No other church, just one. That's what's happening in Corinth. And the equivalent of their television judge shows was the city gates. And that's what they would talk about, all the lawsuits all the matters, and it just so happened in this season with the church. They're filling the, system, the, law, the legal system with their small church matters. He says, don't you know, verse 3, that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If you then have judgment concerning the things pertaining to this life, Do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? It was a big issue. They're going to law before the unrighteous, the legal system of the world. Now, let me just settle something very, very quickly. A lot of people come to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and come to the conclusion that it's always wrong for a Christian to assert their legal rights. That's not true. That I, I can go over many, many examples in the scriptures, but I'll just use one. Paul used his Roman citizenship and his ability to stand before the courts of the day as an opportunity to spread the gospel. So the absolute abandonment from the legal system, I've even heard people say it is unchristian for a believer to be a lawyer, and, and it's not true. We need more Christians to practice law, to be available in the world to help people settle their matters and minister to them at the same time. So, what Paul's not doing is eliminating all use of the legal system, which would be kind of cool if you got a ticket and you're just like, yeah, I don't go to the court system, man. I'm just not going to show up for the ticket. And then, of course, none of you get tickets, so it really doesn't matter, huh? You're just all doing the speed limit, stopping at the stop signs. <laughs> So he's not eliminating Christians being in the legal system or even using the legal system. What was happening here is they weren't settling things within the church. And because they couldn't settle things within the church, which we know why, they weren't all divisive and not getting along, and they were hating one another. It just must have been a horrible place to be. They decided to go to the court system and let the court system solve everything for them. Arguing and fighting and trying to get justice in front of unbelievers is not a very good evangelistic effort. And so Paul says, don't you know that, number one, the saints will judge the world? There's going to be a place of judgment for believers co-reigning with Jesus Christ in the millennial period. So you can look forward to being entrusted to judgments alongside of Jesus. You're going to co-reign with Jesus and bring about his justice. And if you're going to, if God has set up for you the ability to judge the world then why can't you handle just the smallest matters among yourself? Then he says, secondly, in verse 3, another reason. He says, we, are, we shall judge angels. And so there's going to be a level of... I think the angels aren't too excited about this, personally. Just kind of looking at the church and going, they're going to judge us, you know? We, we only do what's right in the sight of God. We obey him perfectly in the church. But the church has a very special place. Jesus Christ, his blood, does not cover angels. Jesus Christ, his blood was shed for human beings. A very special place the church has in the eyes of God is Jesus has brought about salvation in your life that comes with it great privileges. It might even change your mind in today how you solve problems, recognizing that God is enabling you and preparing you to have a place of judgment in the world and a place of judgment of angels. Now, you know, the question is, what's angels and what what judgment over angels? Well, we kind of joke about the good angels, but I think the judgment is actually toward the fallen angels. That there's going to be... The Bible seems to indicate... So we're not exactly told what this judgment is, but in 2 Peter chapter 2, and verse 4... The Bible seems to indicate that there will be a res- there's a reservation of angels, of demons that will be judged. It says, "For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into change of darkness, to be reserved for judgment." And again, in Jude, in verse six, it says, "The angels that didn't keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, He has reserved an everlasting chains under darkness, for the judgment." of the great day, and perhaps what Paul's referring to here is the believers, you and I being involved in some sort of judgment over these fallen angels, but we don't really know exactly. It seems to fit, but we don't exactly know. We do know that there is some sort of authority you and I are going to be given over the world and some sort of authority over angels, but at the end of verse 2, he says, how come you think you're so unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Why are you airing your dirty laundry before unbelievers. If we're going to be entrusted with so much, why aren't we faithful right now in these earthly matters? He says in verse 5, I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not even a wise man among you, not even one, who will be able to judge between his brethren? But brother goes to law against brother and that before unbelievers i want you to notice here that in a generic sense paul is giving us a principle of helping one another in the body and i just want you to notice this that it is not ordained by god for the leadership of a local church to solve every problem of the believers in that local church I don't know if you might have grown up in a system like that, or you might have even as an adult been involved in a church where it just seemed like only the leaders, only the elders could solve every problem. It's not so. Paul seems to indicate here, he says, don't you guys, isn't there just one guy? Anyone? Just anyone that can come in and solve it? And we looked at, in prior studies, the emphasis of Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus talks about us going to one another And if your brother sins against you, you go to him, you and him alone. It's Matthew 18, 15. And if he hears you, you have won your brother. And if that simple principle was just exercised by us, you know, 50% more than it is right now, 50% more issues would be solved and would never require the leadership of the church to get involved. I know sometimes in your relationships with others, you start to panic You start to feel anxious, and your first inclination is to run to someone you trust. I understand that. And so I recognize that although there will be those that rush to the leaders of our church, and you have this problem and that problem, prayerfully the counsel will be to come alongside of you and help you solve it. And train you in the ways of the Lord, so that spiritually, as you're walking in the Spirit, you can begin to solve your own problems in the Lord, And the leadership will be there to help guide. Because the Bible says in Ephesians that the purpose of the giftings in leadership is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So that you and I would understand the biblical principles and then apply them with one another. Like for instance, you hear of something going on. So someone over here, you have a friend that's sitting over here and they have a problem with somebody sitting over here. And so these two people are at odds right now, but you know about it what you need to do is come bring them together and encourage Matthew 18 and start to bring them to a biblical resolution. And if you rush into a spiritual leader, my hope is that the counsel will be, this is how you handle it. Encourage them to meet with one another and work out their differences unto the Lord. And if they can't do that, the second step is to take somebody with you and try again. And the whole purpose, if you happen to be one of those people, it's so totally uncomfortable, isn't it? Because they've got the problem, but since they can't solve it, they say, well, you come with me because the Bible says I can bring you with me. And you're like, all right. Well, it's a good thing that you're going with them. But go with them with the motive not to take sides, but to take the Lord's side. Because we may find that when we're trying to win an argument, we're only going to find people that agree with us and will back us up. And it's okay, as a matter of fact, it's even better than okay for you to be a godly man and a godly woman just to tell your buddy, I'm not going to back you up. I'm just going to seek the Lord. Because you want to be objective. It could just be that when you hear both sides, you find out that it was your buddy's fault more than it was the other person's fault. And you want to help your buddy see that in a loving way for the whole purpose of reconciling. We don't want to take sides. So when we start to take sides, then we start to build enemies. And we start to do exactly what the church in Corinth said and what they started getting involved in. And they sides, and I'm over here, and I'm over there. And I just wanted you to see that because he says, isn't there just one wise man? And unfortunately, in this season in the church's life, there wasn't a wise person, not even one, which is sad. Because, of course, as I'm jotting this down and I'm praying through this, I was asking, where is the pastor? That was my question. Where? Why does it take Paul to write a letter? Where's the pastor that just gets involved and starts to bring people to a spiritual conclusion? And that's a whole different Bible study in and of itself to see some of the pitfalls that pastors face and some of the shortcuts that pastors take, and while you start taking spiritual shortcuts, the church goes in disarray. And then somebody comes in and goes, isn't there a wise guy anywhere in here? And you look around and you go, no, nowhere. There's no one here that can help solve it. So they trusted the unbelievers in the court system more than they did their own pastor, which is really sad. Verse 7, now, therefore, it's already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. That's an interesting statement. It's already a failure. By the time you guys file your lawsuit, you've already failed. And I believe this is a heart failure. Not a, you're going to lose the lawsuit failure. I think it's a heart failure. I think by the time you're unable or unwilling to work through the biblical precepts of solving problems, and and you want to take your brother to court over small claims, it's already a failure on a lot of different sides for the person that's been wronged, okay? Because you're sitting there and you're like, Ed, it's all good and fine, and I receive it, but, but man, I, a brother's ripped me off, and I, I need to make it right. Okay, for that, listen, why do you not rather accept wrong? Why don't you just eat it and learn your lesson? No, I'm going to prove a point, okay? Okay. Why don't you just accept wrong? Why don't you just take it? Why don't you just receive it? Now, I can't answer that question for you in particular. I, I, I don't know the circumstances or the details, so I'm, I'm not trying to answer it for what's on your heart. I'm just throwing it out for you from the Holy Spirit. It's just a general question. Why can't you accept wrong? Why can't you just take it and understand that these things happen?
0: Sometimes we think the only way things are going to get resolved is by going to court. But today, on Abounding Grace, we've noticed great damage can occur when Christians take other Christians to court. This is part of Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 1 Corinthians, and you can hear it again online at calvaryco.church or through our app, which can be found by searching for Calvary Church Aurora. Well, Pastor Ed, I'm sure there are some listening right now that are having difficulty with this. We live in a very litigious society where we're encouraged to sue someone at the drop of a hat. What would your counsel be to the Christian who feels they've been wronged by another person? What steps should they take in settling a dispute? You're right, Larry. Uh, We do live in a
1: very litigious society. And sometimes I have to say that the legal system is needed. Uh, It is needed to speak forth the reality of justice in the land. But for most of the offenses between believers, Jesus laid out the standard for resolving issues among believers. And that is, in Matthew chapter 18, in the second half, Jesus says, uh, and I'll paraphrase, if your uh, brother sinned against you, go to him and him alone and share that with them. And if he hears you, you've won your brother. And I have found that 99%, and and again, I'm not exaggerating, most of the issues among believers are solved at that stage. It's a misunderstanding. The Holy Spirit is able to bring people together. And I think that if that's the case uh, within a believer, you know, within issues with believers, take it to them and talk to them. If they don't hear you, get... Um, believe, get the leadership of the church involved, let them mediate it for you there 's even some great ministries that help mediate, but on occasion the legal system 's important we Marie and I were recently well we're still we're still involved in a very difficult uh, family situation and and we actually called lawyers uh, to see what our legal rights were as grandparents and we we found out that the legal system wasn't going to be much of help to us in Colorado, and, and so we didn't go in that direction. And instead, the Lord revealed to us that our answer was not only the legal system, it was in Him. And in using the legal system isn't always a sin. Uh, but sometimes the Lord uh, will show us that it's His desire for us to trust Him, And so I know it's a hard place to be. Certainly, I don't think we should be suing people when we can solve it one-on-one or solve it with another pastor. But like Paul, Paul asserted his legal rights as a Roman citizen in order to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ involves our legal system. And if that's you, just be in prayer. Let the Lord lead you. Uh, Get wise counsel, especially from from a, a Christian attorney. Um, very, very helpful, and let me just pray for you right now. I know it's hard, God, to. Uh, I know it's difficult to be in a position where injustice uh, is is part of the package, and and you just people are listening to me right now, and and just thinking, man, I don't know, I don't. Where am I going to find justice? And. And some have even been burned by the legal system, you know, because laws aren't always right to righteous in judgment, as Marie and I found out, even the law doesn't even sometimes speak to what is righteousness, but you always do, God. And so we submit ourselves to you. We trust that even if uh, the legal system is unable to help, you are our helper and nothing is wasted by you. So be with those in the middle right now, strengthen them and help them in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks, Pastor Ed. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life. And we'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through the website at calvaryco.church. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of the book Holy Land Key by Ray Bentley. For quite some time, Pastor Ray Bentley has partnered with God's people in Israel and witnessed the fulfillment of prophecy firsthand. This book will introduce you to prophetic signs that God reveals in sometimes unexpected ways. Call 877-30-GRACE or visit calvaryco.church. That's 877-30-GRACE. And then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of 1 Corinthians. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace.